Welcome to the We Need to Talk About Whiteness podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Francois, and to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us. This is a space where we explore the meaning of whiteness as the term is used in conversations around race and racism, and as the term pertains to different areas of our lives. Why whiteness? Well, very simply, because as someone racialized as white myself, I want to explore the meaning and impact of whiteness at our current juncture. What does whiteness mean and does it matter? Every episode, I'm joined by a guest who offers unique insights into these questions and much, much more. Today, I'm joined by award-winning Nigerian-British writer Yomi Shode. Yomi is the recipient of the 2019 Jerwood Compton Poetry Fellowship and was shortlisted for the Brunel International African Poetry Prize 2021. His acclaimed one-man show, Coat, or C-O-A-T, toured nationally to sold out audiences, including at the Brighton Festival, Roundhouse Camden and the Battersea Arts Centre here in London. And his debut collection, Mannerism, is published via Penguin Press this year. That's 2022. Yomi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate your time. It's a it's a pleasure to be just just here in this space and just just getting into these these conversations. I'm just like, well, I don't know what to expect, but I'm ready for it. Thank you. Well, first of all, I wanted to ask you, because I know you've just come from speaking to uh, a load of young people. Mm. I'd love to talk today about uh, masculinity, whiteness and masculinity, and particularly whiteness and black masculinity, because a lot of the themes around that are coming out in public discourse. There's podcasts, there's exhibitions. You touch on it in your book. Um, so you've just come from speaking to uh, a load of young people, including a load of young men. Uh, mm. What's the state of masculinity, would you say, these days? You know, the one of the key points to kind of get across in the in the discussion was masculinity, or to try to touch on that in regards to the to the group that I was speaking speaking with, and um, you know, the way I I ventured into this was through my mum. And I had to be very clear that, you know, as I mentioned in the book or highlight in the book as well, that all I've ever known of masculinity has been through my mother, which is a really interesting way into this. Do you know what I mean? Um, I didn't grow up with my dad around. I think a lot of the, a lot of any kind of male role models or templates of masculinity has been in in films or in TV series or or in music in popular culture, and in some way, shape, or form, I've had to make sense of that. Of kind of picking a piece here, a piece there, a piece here, and kind of seeing friends who had fathers at a time and taking a piece out of them. So for me, when I was speaking with the group today, I had to kind of flag and highlight that this is all the kind of pieces that makes me up. And for the first, not for the first time, I had to kind of acknowledge that I'm in a position where a lot of them might kind of look at me and just be like, oh, this is, this is someone that is like existing. This is, this is someone that writes poetry. It's not like they're a rapper or something along those lines, but this is something that they do and they look quite cool not to say that I think I'm cool I don't know do you know what I mean but Crazy. it's almost There's like it, it, you as a maybe a role model right you, do you know what I mean it's, around it's, that yeah you're... yeah it's it's almost like but then I don't use those I don't say I don't necessarily 
those times are very they're very strong times. You know what I mean mm-hmm. to say that someone's a role model. And I feel like what 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 I was trying to convey was that um you can do this. Do you know what I mean? Like you can you can definitely be as cool as you want, you can be as geeky as you want, as long as you believe in something, you can just kind of push through that. And you know, I can see some of them were really interested in wanting to ask questions. And there's never enough, there's never enough time. I'd love to be there for like the whole day to kind of process and go for a workshop. But it went well. Do you know what I mean? For for the time that I was there it went really well. And you know, I always say that I hope to see them at some point in the future. I gave them, you know, there's some tickets that they have to come and see my show and some readings. So that we're never too far off from each other. Do you know what I mean? And that was a good thing, you know? And, and we hear a lot of conversations today talking about the idea that there's a crisis of masculinity. Is that something that you recognise? Is there a crisis of masculinity per se? Is there a crisis of white masculinity, of black masculinity? Is there even a crisis? I can't. I can't necessarily speak to white masculinity. I, I, white masculinity does intrigue me, if I'm honest. Um, recently, I've been in a lot of discussions with my with my boys, um, and I was like, we don't talk. We don't talk talk about some rules th- about some stuff that we might find embarrassing to talk about. Do you see what I mean? Like we don't talk. One of the poems, one of the poems in mannerism, is <laughs> one of the poems in mannerism is exploring a porn star called um, Mr. Marcus, and Mr. Marcus, um, black porn star, and this is all we've ever known do you see what i mean like we've always known a mr marcus and i was just like it's very interesting how that was the template of how masculinity is and it's mad how now we're adults we're very grown black men but we can't talk about things like masturbation not saying that we would want to sit down and talk about it or we can't even but but at the same time i think there are very comfortable spaces that white men can sit and they can talk about the most frivolous of things like i've got i've I've gone to raves and gone clubbing and i've seen grown white white men as heterosexual as they are kiss each other on the lips in their drunken state if i ever dared to try to feel like oh let me just go and kiss one of my brethren and my boys you might look at me and be like bro what are you doing but i'm just like why is that the, the why is the level of uncomfortability there so i think for mm-hmm. me the, the 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 whole for me what was interesting was that there seems to be some kind of ease in which white masculinity works that doesn't necessarily pertain for black masculinity that it gives room for do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think those things for me were quite interesting because it seems that there's there's in one area there's a freeness and 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 in in another area there's tension. And I feel like there's not enough space. Sometimes for me it just feels like as black men there's not enough space to just play and just to be free and just be able to be comfortable to talk about some of the most embarrassing things, which if we did speak about it, there could be a lot can be explored there can be room there can be therapy there can be there can be better ways of us being there for each other especially mm-hmm. when it came to when it comes to such intimate intimate things you know so i'm glad you clarified who mr marcus was because obviously <laughs> i was cons- you know confused that it might be marcus garvey <laughs> and that took us down a completely different meaning to the poem which <laughs> i'm glad that you clarified <laughs> for me and for audience members who might be wondering but um, on on the subject of the constraints that um, you talk about around uh, black masculinity in particular, mm. 
where would you locate the source of those constraints like where do you think that they emanate from oh I think there's just so much that there's there's so much pressure there's so much pressure that it's very hard to just turn off and 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 just be able to just enjoy life or whatever it is i watched i watched a game show once it's sort of like the kind of like ninja warrior type um it's it's like a ninja warrior type 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 event where i don't know if, i don't know if folks kind of know or takeshi's class or like a, there's like an obstacle course you go through everything you go get to the finishing line it's a real rigorous situation right um one one person's ready to start this obstacle course then out of nowhere comes a streaker naked naked oh. white guy naked white guy gets to the front and starts to run the whole course naked he, he, he does like one of these ones where you have to put your one one hand on one side one hand on one side like a star like a star type thing and then kind of grow up and then balls and all everything is showing you just see one grandma in the pan of a camera just looking up in like absolute awe and people are just embarrassed to see it and i was like that looks hilarious and my immediate thought was i can never imagine a black guy doing that i literally as you were saying it i was like have i ever seen a black speaker I can never imagine like a black guy being able to streak for the for the hell of it and just doing some stuff. And I and I messaged and I went in my WhatsApp group immediately of like my friends, like my, my, my male friends. And I'm like, I just saw this on TV. And I'm like, at no, no given point that um, I can't imagine a black guy doing it. Why? And the immediate response from one of my friends was because we're always thinking of ways to survive. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> and I'm like, if I, if you're too busy thinking of how to live or how to survive or how to kind of not get stopped and searched, you know, how to, you know, I, 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 this whole situation with Chris Cabba, for example, my car, I drove a car that was registered for firearms. I've been stopped on three different occasions, just going on my journeys. The last situation that happened that made me think I need to get rid of this car now was when I got stopped and there were armed police, three armed police cars, bully vans, pulled up, pulled me in the corner, did not even think for a second to try to let me speak. And they were shouting for me to get out of the car. I've never seen so many guns from police in my life. Mm, and it's um, in it the didn't, UK. It didn't work. Yeah. And it's in the UK. And it didn't help that my car was tinted at the same time. My car was like dark tints. Mm. So it was dark tints is registered for firearms this time around it's it's dark i'm stopped and they want me to and 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 i'm scared it's just me right i'm trying to tell them yo why are you stopping me and it wasn't and the thing is when i got stopped i was like again why am i getting stopped by police every single time in this car and it wasn't until that incident where it was like three or four cars two vans two police cars stopped me screaming shouting for me to get out of the car and when I got out of the car I was like yo what is what is this and when all of that kind of calmed down they're like oh your car's registered to firearms and I was like what this makes sense I sold the car like two weeks later I've never even heard of that what what does that actually mean so so at some point the previous owner the the previous owner that got the previous owner that got stopped and it got pulled over they were probably carrying a gun or carrying something in there 
Oh, and they, it's, been they flagged. it's been flagged and registered. It. It's never cleared. Got it. It's never cleared off the records. Mm. So it's always stayed as just that. Do you see what I mean? So whoever now gets the car again, if they haven't cleared it on the previous note, it's always going to stick with them. So that means randomly they could just be going on their journeys and randomly a police car is just going to pull you over for the sake of pulling you over. Because if it's registered for firearms, something might be happening. You might be carrying a gun. And in this case, in regards to Chris Cabot, we see the, the, the very, very, very worst case of what can happen, which is you get shot, unarmed, and you die. Now, coming back to the streaker situation, if this is my constant worry every single time, that I'm driving a car, any car. I get so nervous with the police. Anytime I'm, I, I got a full license. Everything is, everything is up to, you know, it's kosher. I'm, I'm, I'm legal. But there's not a point that a police car is behind my car that I don't get nervous. That nervousness comes from somewhere. That is a mannerism. Mm-hmm. It's an instant mannerism. It speaks to the book. It speaks to the innate feeling that I'm not safe. I don't feel safe. So where there can be someone streaking as part of like an obstacle course, naked, white guy, living life as ever. How many episodes of Jackass have I watched when they do the stupidest things? Yeah. And I'm like, I would love, love to see black men doing something silly as this. Mm. And when my friend came back and he said, no, of course we can't do that because we're trying to survive every day. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. What room is there to think to do something as stupid and mundane when every day you're thinking about ways just not to get harmed or not to die? Mm. And I think it's really interesting that obviously we've discussed this in the context of um, uh, police violence, which obviously has come to the fore a lot more in, you know, the public understanding in recent years, even though obviously it remains contested by some political figures. Um but that, that that sense of insecurity extends beyond, you know, just interactions with the police, right? It, it extends to just a sense that there are things that you just can't do in a public space. And obviously, streaking may not be top of your list, but oh. there may be, but there may be other things that you know this is it, impeding yeah. you from from fully exploring. Listen, street, yeah, streaking is like the like kind of like that's the wildest, wildest case. Number eight well, on the I list. I guess <laughs> street. And I'm not expecting Joe Bloggs, the you know black guy, because out in there to start streaking. But I'm like, what it what it removes, what it what it stops is the freeness to just be. Yeah. There's an absolute freeness to just be when it pertains to white people specifically. Mm-hmm. That is not the, a grace that's just not afforded to a community of black people. Mm. You know, like it's it's. It's that. I, I think it's just that. I think it's that thing of like you can just you can just get up and you can there's something that can just be done and think oh yeah I'm just gonna look into this and do this. Whereas for me it's just not that. You know like when I was I would love the idea of traveling for example. The idea of traveling is an amazing thing to me. And I was at, I was at a dinner with a friend um, a couple of years back and I was just like oh like so what's the next plans what are you doing and she was just like you know I think I'm just gonna. I'm just going to quit my job and I'm just going to go away for like six months to a year. And I was jealous. I was envious. I was like, you, what, you can just, you feel like you can just do that? She's like, yeah. And then it made me, 
and then you know my parents have been telling me to do it all the time da, 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 just to go and just to kind of see the world and then it made me think about when I was younger and I never there was that opportunity just wasn't there because you come from an African household it's a case of get your exam results get all the highest grades you can go and be a lawyer go and be this go and be that da, 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 da. the idea of me saying to my mum for example you know what I think I'm just not going to study for like a year and I just want to travel mm. no <laughs> it was yeah. a no it was an absolute no and it makes me think how how sheltered I was in the thinking of but at the same time my friend it was just like oh yeah go 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 Mm. Let us know how it was. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But that that safety, of course, is always going to be a thing with parents crossboard. But there was something in the protection of my mum keeping me here to be like, you're not going anywhere. What do you mean travel the world? Mm. You're not traveling anywhere. But there's also a, an underlying conditioning that you just can't fail in what you're doing. You need to mm-hmm. excel at everything you're doing. Yeah. So for a community of black people, there's always been a pressure to just be better mm-hmm. there's still there's just been a pressure to just excel more than mm-hmm. right and and an absolute thing of just not failing at what you do and this is a generational thing over time that's kind of like loops itself over and over and over and over do you see what I mean mm-hmm. and, I, and I think it's interesting it's the same probably principle where if I walk out of a shop with an item that I forgot to pay for, I can probably laugh it off and come back in and say, oh, forgot to pay for this. And yeah. somebody else, the security guard will probably laugh with me and, you know, let me let me pay for it or whatever it may be. Uh, and I know that that isn't afforded to uh, people who aren't white. I've seen it in I've seen it in action. I've actually seen, you know, a, a mum and daughter where it was clearly a case of a forgotten an item that you know the kid had forgotten to show a mum and um but they were not treated like that at all you know they were very much treated like it was intentional um the thing is i think in certain parts that's majority white community um whether those those areas are kind of disenfranchised do you know what i mean like whether 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 those areas are are economically is lower on the scale you might still have a situation where a kid will go into a store and take something and those niceties are not afforded. It's just yeah. a thing of you, you, you try to steal that. You, yeah. you, do you know what I mean? You try to steal that. And I think to some degrees in more affluent areas and what have you, it's exactly how you just spoken to. Mm. Um, I do know on the continent, for example, if people are caught stealing something, they're burned alive. And, and you know, I wrote about it in the book. Yeah, sure. Um they burned for for that do you see what I mean and the story the, the poem that I explore in the book just tells the tale of a boy that mistakenly walked out with something thinking he had already paid but yeah. that time and grace wasn't afforded to to hear him out it was a thing of no you tried to steal that and this is how we're going to set you as an example for that um, trying to trying to steal something when that wasn't necessarily the case. And yes, in some cases, I've been I've been followed in in stores. Um, yeah. It used to be a, it, it, it offended me at one point, really really offended me. And then it got to a point that I was just like stare at the security guard's face. I'm just like, is there a problem? 
like I'll make it awkward. Like it's it's a thing of how to reclaim that kind of power back to a certain degree to be like, you're not going to make me feel inferior. I have money to pay for something. It's yeah. either you walk with me. If you're going to follow me, you might as well walk with me and decide what I'm going to buy in a store. Um, or you leave me alone or I'll make you aware of what you're doing and then we can mm. have a conversation about that and why you think that might be the case um, but that's taken a lot of growth and maybe I'm at, an, I'm at an age now where I get to look and deal with a lot of these situations in a, in a different way you know yeah of course I mean I'm sure that like 15 16 year old you or any any 15 16 year old you know yeah of course like you you're just angry at the fact that you could clearly see you're not being treated the same way as you know the people around you and that's not going to feel you know that's probably going to compound other experiences that you've had um you 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 talk also throughout the book about um sort of uh, media perceptions or uh, you know you quote people like um david starkey and some like really egregious comments he's made um people like lawrence fox you know there is a conversation in sort of the mainstream media around mm. race which comes through in the book and also you know when, when you write one of the poems sort of compares uh, you know, the way that Alex, it was Alex Mann's treated versus like AJ Tracy, mm. basically saying the same lyrics in two mm. different contexts. Um, I wanted to ask you about, about that. When you look at the way that um, black men or black masculinity is interrogated by whiteness, what is your sense of the assumptions that are underlying that conversation if we can even call it a conversation <laughs> i think there's 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 for the most part there there are people the, the interesting thing is it almost feels as though there are set groups of white men specifically that might feel they have a say on on black people and black lives and how black people should be to a certain degree mm. but it's almost as if when when it's, when it's flipped and you have a majority of black folks that might have some criticisms on whiteness and white people it's like you know you can't do that mm. and it's always an that and it's always a thing of like why is that the case because what gives you you're not qualified in your role for one you haven't lived the experience for two but you'd still feel the need to still speak on it and mm. still speak on it in a way that speak on it in a way that almost makes you feel like you know what you're talking about mm. jim davidson told ashley banjo to stick to dancing stick to what you're good at not to mention he also called him george oh god what as in george the poet <laughs> No, 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 no. As in Just, George Floyd. Oh, oh God, no. No, no, he didn't. Yeah? Let's not, let's not, let's not ever miss. And I think there's such violence in telling someone that you know is a dancer, someone that you know kind of like, um, you know, he, you know, this is diversity. You know, Ashley, ba we all know Ashley Banjo for the most part, but there's such violence when whiteness is pushed to a corner in the same in a way that Ashley pushed Jim's Davison in a corner for Jim's reaction to Ashley to be like stick to dancing that's what and I think there was something after that said that's what you're good at 
that's that's absolute violence right that's absolute that's an absolute thing of this is what you need to be doing not this other thing this is what you need to be stick to what you're good at and there's so many connotations with that line that i think it's 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 off um for me, it was interesting. What I wanted to do was draw that comparison with Ash, with Alex Mann and AJ Tracy. The fact that AJ Tracy is a grime artist, he's been doing this work for the longest time, and he's lauded within his own community and people that love him. I saw him, I saw I saw a performance of his at Glasgow, and it went down a tree. Do you know what I mean? Thousands upon thousands of people were there to see him do his thing. Now, when I go back to this performance, when I go back to the situation with Alex Mann, Alex Mann is called onto the stage to rap AJ Tracy's verse. Dave calls into the stage. For people who don't know who Alex Mann is in this conversation. Oh, right. Sick. So Alex Mann is just, Alex Mann is an attendee. He just going to, he's just going to Glasgow. He just wants to, he just wants to enjoy Dave's set. He's he's a He's a huge... White, white, white fan of 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 grime, hip hop, what have you? Just what I mean. And he goes, and it's Dave's set, and he's absolutely there. And Dave does this thing. So Dave, Dave normally calls out to the audience if they wanna if they wanna join him for a song, right? He does it every time. And this one time he done it. Alex with the Tiago Silva shirt. Alex is there. Alex is like, yo, I'm down. I'm down. My and time. Dave, My time. <laughs> And rightly so, Dave calls on Alex. Yeah. Alex gets onto the stage, and it's all there. Do you know anything that I'm saying to you right now? It's all there to be watched on YouTube. It's not yeah. no lies. I'm not trying to make anything up here. I calls up Alex to the stage as well. Alex yeah. went. Alex went viral. Yeah. Alex rapped. Alex rapped. AJ Tracy's verse. Everything was fire. I saw it the next day. It wasn't. I saw it the next. The, the working. The start of the working week. I was excited. I was just like, who's this kid that just done this it was yeah. awesome it was so sick and then some days after he gets invited onto breakfast television on itv pierce morgan calling alex an inspiration calling alex a, a, a role model calling alex all of these different things he even asks alex to rap to even asks alex to 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 spit some of the verse aj's verse by the way yeah. Which which is talking about guns, talking about all these different things. He asks Alex to 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 say these lines on breakfast television. Of course, Alex raps it, and of course, all of them are dancing, loving it, absolutely loving it. Now, on the flip side, a tune on BBC Two, Victoria Derbyshire. The, yeah, Victoria Derbyshire and AJ's being interviewed, and all they're asking AJ about. Are women twerking? Some of his music is kind of linked to gangs, and I'm like, ain't this something? Your verse being rapped by this kid is being lauded on one channel. You who wrote the verse, all you're being asked about is gangs and women and how they're in your videos and how it's portrayed and how people might be thinking it's linked to gangs. And I thought this is actually incredible. Mm. And you can see the discomfort in AJ's body and you can see the grace that is afforded to whiteness mm. yeah. and, how, and how all of those things is, is, is and all, how all of that is excused in a certain way. And whether we talk about a Lawrence Fox or whether we talk about Ant McPartland, who 
had numerous, numerous drink and drive incidences, sent to rehab, given time, given the amount of space, his marriage is broken down, life is, all of this is happening to him. The nation gave Ant McPartland time. The media gave Ant McPartland time. The headlines was different. Oh, he's going through troubled times. If no one saw, the, I don't know, to anyone that saw the extent of the car crash he had, Drought's drunk and the, the, how that car looked, incredible how people made it out unscathed in that yeah. sense. Yeah, he could have he could have killed. Serious damage, yeah. but time was given. But on the flip side, everybody's on Raheem Sterling's case when he had a gun tattoo on his leg. You're not a role model. How do you put a gun tattoo on your leg? How do you do X, Y, and Z? And my question still remains, like, how do you afford grace mm. when it pertains to whiteness? Mm. Can you... Can you afford to give us, can you afford to give people of color, black people specifically, just as much grace as you would give to someone like Aunt McPartland, who, if anything, broke your trust on numerous occasions. You gave him a chance in the first time. He done it again. Mm. He done it again. He done it again. What do you do? Mm. So, so like the double standards, or like in this case, maybe even triple or quadruple standards of um, white that are set for white men in the public sphere compared to black men's treatment in the same arena. Um, I, I was going to ask you about whether you felt even like. So, do you know that Toni Morrison quote where she says um, the uh, the definition, uh, like racism will have you explaining over and over again your humanity or find yourself like justifying, you know, digging up your art and digging up your history just to just to prove your humanity and how much work is having to be done just to prove that you are in some ways just human. And a lot of the public discourse around the way that black men seem to be interrogated feels to me a little bit like that. So AJ Tracy being asked about, you know, these things might seem in a way like, well, that's a fair question because, you know, that's what he talks about in his music. But that's also the world that he actually legit lives in. Like if yeah. you want to interrogate, maybe it's the world that he lives in the, the 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 milieu if you want that's been created it seems a little odd that you know he has to stand on trial um, it's dangerous mm. because it's dangerous because people that don't understand a culture or an experience they shouldn't speak on it i don't mm. know if you if you ever caught wind of the time when a white journalist went to a skeptic concert at hammersmith i think it was hammersmith apollo he said, and, and something along the lines of like, you know, everything was going well, but there seemed to be some technical difficulties because the song kept on kept on jumping and starting from the start again. Oh gosh! What what the journalist didn't realize was, in the excitement of of like sound sound systems and sound, do you know what I mean? Sound clash and sound generally in a, in a kind of grime or reggae or or kind of like um, dancehall aesthetic, especially with grime at this moment of time. When it causes such a hype, you call that a wheel up. Yeah. You, 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 you call it a wheel up. You call it a rewind. You call it a reload. You call it a reload. You call it a rewind. You call it a pull up. You call it a forward. Do you know what I mean? These are the slangs that we use as a community to know them things. But mm -hmm. this white journalist said that there's a, there, it was a technical difficulty. 
Mm. And technical difficulty, which which seemed to did, you know, and if you're going to call something, if you're going to put such a criticism on a very professional artist and say that everything was going well, but it seemed to be some technical difficulties because it kept on starting and jumping and starting from the start again, that's very dangerous. And it's and, and, and potentially you're costing money on the artist. Of course, because and that sound off technician. Off the back of something that you, on the sound technician, off the back of something you don't understand. Why yeah. are you there? Yeah. Why are you there? Mm. Why, why, as for the journalist, why isn't for for the magazine or the newspaper? Why don't you get someone that actually knows the culture to be the journalist to take place instead mm. to do that? I think when it comes to whiteness as well, in relation to that, you should know your space. You should know what it is that you want to talk about. And this is not to say that there shouldn't be a white journalist in there. Of course, there, there, there are going to be white journalists in there, but know the know the culture that you're going into. Mm. There are amazing people, that amazing white journalists that know the culture well, and they exactly know, they know exactly what they're talking about, what's going on, what's happening. The danger in having people like that journalist in a space is you are taking money away from the artist because you are laying a bad criticism based on something you don't understand. Yeah. That's when it gets dangerous. Do you see what I mean? For That's sure. when it gets to a situation where, where, where you feel entitled enough to be in a space, but without knowing the culture or the context of anything that you're talking about. But mm-hmm. the key thing there being the entitlement the fact that you feel that like you should be there. Why? Mm. See what I mean? It's like, why are you, why are you there? In the same way that I talk about Caravaggio, if people are saying, oh, like, you know, what's the work that you're working on? I'm just like, oh, I'm, work, I'm working on an Italian painter, his name's Caravaggio, and I get this look. And that look, what that look tells me is, what do you know about this mm-hmm. guy? Interesting. Do you know what's in, and do you know the joke thing for me is, I'm like, I'm not an art historian. I'm not an art historian in the same way that this journalist is a grime head that's in the skeptic gig. Yeah. But in the same way that you feel you can talk about my life, my mm. experiences as a black man, without not necessarily being a black man or being in my culture, is the same way that I'm going to be all the way in this art world and I'm going to speak on this painter and draw parallels or in some cases make arguments on some of the stuff that I observe and see. Mm. Because if you feel like you have a right to be doing this on my side, what makes you think that I'm not going to give myself the right to do the exact same thing on the flip side? Mm. And if if you are at all offended, you have to ask yourself why you're offended. Interesting. It's It's not my, it's not my, um, it's not my, it's not my space to provide an answer. Mm. Because I stopped doing that That's the justification I stopped trying to justify Mm. Why I'm doing this Especially when it pertains to whiteness To a certain degree I stopped I used to before Talk talk myself till I'm like Absolutely breathless sometimes Mm. And I realised that it was doing more damage to myself If I'm honest I I can Yeah I can definitely hear that Because I think any situation where any person's being asked to justify their humanity is in itself an inhumane act like that's a degrading situation to find yourself in having to try and prove to people that you're worthy of their respect like that's just not you know and 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 I mean ultimately that speaks to the underlying hierarchy of racial value that I think is implicit 
in the ways that these conversations are happening the fact that you know prominent white men who clearly don't seem to have particularly good connections to black communities uh, or or know much about you know black people actually in britain speaking about black experience speaking generalizing about them in many ways you could argue that might say more about white masculinity's fears Mm. around black masculinity and I wanted to ask you a bit around that because I've read you know different writers who who speak about that 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 actually a lot of the attempts to continue to maintain you know historical hierarchies of, of racial value which those same people if you ask them like oh what are you you know they'd say no, I'm not I'm not racist I, I, I believe we're all equal but but actually you still feel like you can take a position on things that you don't know about because what you're the center of all knowing about yeah. the world or you know where there, does it stem from there was um the Patrick Hutchinson situation when he when he kind of lifted the EDL guy a safe uh, safety with the kind of the BLM oh, the BLM yes. march that happened in June yeah when that happened, it, it, it was like it sent like a ripple through the kind of community. I don't want to speak too much on the community, but there was a lot of conflict in the sense of like he done he done such a gracious thing. And on the flip side, it was a thing of he should have just left the guy. He should have mm. just left him because the guy was looking to do harm. So this is a picture for people who aren't familiar with it of, yeah. um, you know, it, what what appeared in the papers was this guy, Patrick, who's a black British guy. Um, carrying on his back a white uh, English EDL, yeah. uh, EDL being the far right, for those who aren't familiar with it, uh, supporter on his back because the guy seemed to be in distress, right at this. Yeah, market. the guy, the guy yeah. was in, the guy was in distress. He tried to, he tried to do damage. He tried to do something. It didn't go his way, and in not, in it not, not going his way, Patrick came into to pretty much. He saved him. Saved him. He did. He did. That's what saved happened. Him. Yeah. Took him away. The guy was looking to do some ill intent. He was looking to, I think, I believe he was looking to kind of saw the head off the kind of Nelson Mandela statue or something like that. Him and a group of people were looking to do, they were looking to disrupt essentially what was a peaceful march and a peaceful mm -hmm. protest. Yeah. And as a result, they, the, the community stopped that from happening. Mm -hmm. And for his own grace and for his own luck, he got lifted out of there. Otherwise, it would have turned very, very different. Mm. What, what, what I found interesting from a, from a community perspective, people were just like, were tired of being the ones that always try to save people, right? He should have left him. He should have left the guy to just kind of be like, yeah, done. You, this is what you get for trying to do damage in a way mm. and trying to disrupt something that was peaceful. Mm. On a very human, on on a very humanistic side, in which what we're talking about here, Patrick done something that is gracious and heroic. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he, he, the nation saw it as something that the world saw it as something that he took, he lifted this man out of danger, X, Y, and Z. Um, but at what cost, anyway? And then outside a conversation with Patrick, and we had a, we spoke about it. I was commissioned to write a poem about it, and but for me, when I wrote this poem. I read it to him before it was published and I said, you know, I was very conflicted, but I wanted to really discuss this from a position of a black man myself to be like, while I understood everything that you've done and I respected it, I couldn't help but feel like, why does it always have to be 
us in this situation to 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 to, to almost in this situation save this guy when he was looking to do damage mm. up until today nobody's ever spoken to this guy up until today we've never as a community we've never received an apology for what he was intending to do mm. right and i i i and i think and it just went it just it just went on no no unmentioned no one spoke about it again Mm. right there was no Nobody, accountability no accountability no and the thing is there was no accountability as a nation there was no accountability as a nation of of predominantly white people to say you know what this guy saved you yeah from you trying to be an absolute idiot and do something we think you need to talk and we think you need to be accountable and actually speak on your racism and speak on what you was intending to do and mm. say sorry and probably say thank you and say thank you (laughs) yeah because you you, have not done anything worse way yeah as a nation what they what they done was they spoke to patrick and they were asking patrick what do you think he thinks of your hero you know your heroism like what do you think he thinks about it you know how do you feel knowing that you've done that and blah 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 blah. and i'm screaming at the television do not answer these questions on the behalf of this guy that the nation similar to ant gave grace mm-hmm. they gave wow. him grace they gave him the kind of grace to be like mate go into hiding live your life everything else like that we understood what you done was a bit silly it's fine live your life do what you're doing mm-hmm. and i'm like look at that and then i asked a question what would happen if it was a black guy that done that what would happen would they give that same black guy grace mm-hmm. Would they give him space to be like, yeah, it was a silly thing to do. Yeah, we all make mistakes. Blah, 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 blah. And I bet you, no, they wouldn't. Yeah. As a nation, that kind of grace would not be afforded and it wouldn't be given. No, he would have been hounded. He would have been hounded by the media to get a response to to him. To apologise. Yeah. And to say thank you. And and make sure he showed that he was grateful for what had happened, you know, because that was it. That would be an important display that he had to show that he was grateful. It's so interesting that you're saying this because I remember at the time also part of the conversation was like, why that I know a lot of my black friends were conflicted about it also setting a standard in the media for like black people always have to be like always have to take the higher ground, always yes. have to be beyond reproach. Like there's no the only time that you're kind of fully recognized is when you're living in the space of heroic, but there's also just like the space of human, right? Which is, which most of us live in, right? Most of us aren't living in the space of like, you know, superhero. And there's the, and there's the fear that, and there's the fear that you are, you are only going to be the hero for a certain amount of time until you mess up. Right. Everyone remembers Beckham and that famous kind of like when he's on the ground and he kind of flicks up his, his, um, his leg to trip up the other guy or whatever it is. And then he's, he's after, was he sent off? I think he was sent off. And I think he was booed and everyone didn't like Beckham for like a hot minute. But it was only a hot minute. Everyone started loving Beckham again, right? It was just that. Um, let's not speak about the Euros final, the men with the three black men that, that, that missed the penalties. We all saw the ramifications of when that happened. Um, and it's those things. The, before that final... Of, of of Euros, everyone loved Saka. They all loved him. He's been doing everything. 
and then come on the day when you know that that the, these three men missed their penalties there was such a there was such a universe when they went up to take their penalties i guarantee you ask any any black communities watching the finals when the first black guy went up to take his penalty universally everybody was just like please don't miss just don't miss pressure and that don't miss kind of went beyond the sake of just football that don't miss was just like a thing of your safety please just don't miss Mm -hmm. so when not only one missed but three of them missed every for the most part messages were being sent around to just be like whatever you're doing just stay safe right stay safe if don't go out just stay this week whatever you're planning to do just stay in the house and stay and stay safe the windows of the windows of this is is such that you're loved in one minute but the room to the room to just to, to room the room to improve the room to something being like oh maybe next time let me do it it's just not afforded mm. it's not afforded I and Sorry, go on. No, 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 and and it's just that. Do you see what I mean? It's almost like there's 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 little there's little space to just grow. You always have to just perform, and you have to do as such, because if you don't, yeah, it's, it's, you know, yeah, it's it's potentially life threatening. Is actually what we've heard several examples of. And I remember when reading um, a comment piece that was saying when the boys went up to take those penalties, they were British when they missed the penalties, they were black. And I thought that summed up kind of the ways in which race operates in our society, which is like, as long as you're seen to be um, furthering uh, and not disrupting the status quo, which I call whiteness, then you're one of us-ish. But the minute that you don't play ball, and that might be you know, not living up to the expectations, but it might also be challenging that in some way um, you become otherized and yeah. the rules, the rules become very different for you. Um, yeah. Um, let's, let's, can we hear one of the poems? Would that be possible? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Sure thing. Yeah. Be amazing um, to hear you tell it, read one of them for us, if you would. So this, this one, this is called, and I think we can talk on this a bit more. So this is more on language. This is all on, on coded language and how language kind of travels. It's titled, An Ode to Brav, Ting, Fam, and on occasions, Cuz and My Man. For Kareem Parkins-Brown and Isaiah Hall. As in, a language knotted through an ancestry, shape-shifting whenever in arms reach, Brav, as in brother, bro, brother, bra, or brav, as in brav, I passed that ting. Well done, brav. Can you believe that ting aired my man? Bra. So you just casually switch to a next ting, then celebrate my ting, fam. Nah, bro, I'm just trying to be like you, fam. As in, how nameless yet known, this ting, a warped reality to my man, my man, and my man. A ting as sweet as a ting, having brothers scratch their heads and water dare. How dexterous a language. How my man and my man done a madness. How one can build castles and what that means. How owned 
that we hear his hiss on the wrong tongues and rattling of bones in his misspeak. How like air, they cannot be grabbed by those who've pillaged enough, those that fed themselves for other people, as in this thing, a spiritual thing, a nephia, from the grave to the youth. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, I was today years old when I discovered the term anifia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what uh, for those who might not be familiar with it? What what does anifia mean, and and why did you choose to talk about? I mean, that, talked about lots of things, but one of them is anifia. Yeah. Yeah, anifia for me was I needed. I wanted to name something that I, that I felt, but there was no word for it. And I was like, um, I need to come up with a term that explains this feeling, mm. because um, there is an there was an actual term for back in the day, slaveholders had an actual term for enslaved Africans who, to some degree, had like an intention to 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 escape where they were at. And it, it was almost seen, it was seemed as like it was a mental, it was a mental illness to, to, to consider the thoughts of wanting to leave. And I was like, I'm like, that for me is wild. And if, if they can come up with a term for something as ludicrous as that, then I can come up with a term of my own. And I wanted to explore the idea of, of a feeling that's, that works as a fear or also as like an awakening in in a sense of when when there is a police when there is a police car behind me I feel it it's a it's a type of fear that I just know what comes with it no matter how close they are no matter how slow they're following me I'm now mindful of the seconds I take to indicate right or left I'm mindful of how soon I'm breaking or if I'm seeming nervous, if I'm driving. So all of these things, all of these things play a key part in what that, what the time means. And, and so that's one part. The second part is that a similar, a, a toxin or, or the similar feeling of an ether that works in white people. In the same way that I might feel a bit nervous when a police car is behind me. There's been different instances where, you know, there was whole, the whole Karen phase of, of like what we're saying, like mid 20, like 2020 to 2021, when the whole Karen type situations came, was really going viral, where you were faced with white people that felt increasingly nervous, dare I say, or felt like their life was at risk and immediately would call the police if they, mm -hmm. if, if, if white people, um, if black people were just doing as much as dancing or just kind of shopping bird watching. or bird watching, yeah, bird watching or doing something, all of a sudden it's an issue and all of a sudden they feel like their life is threatened. Now, this runs a similar danger to the journalist, for example, that is talking about something that they don't understand because in these people reacting the way they react, the police will get called. And if it's a police officer that also feels a similar fear in black people and should that black person move in a certain way, whether it is to just scratch their nose or whether they had an itch or whether it's a fly or whether it's a bee that is around them and they're trying to just shoo the bee away yeah. and that movement causes anxiety in 
the police officer, which then leads them to shoot and mm. kill. Mm. Because there's a fear that runs in them also. There's a fear and there's an anxiety that runs in them also that leads to the death of unarmed black men or just leads to a death of a black man generally. Do you see mm. what I mean? Like, and there's been numerous examples of that that's happened, which I'm not necessarily going to get into. And the yeah. third, the third strand of that is just in relation to um, ancestry and the secrecy that carries itself across black communities, where talking on illnesses is not something that is often done. But then within white families that I know of anyway, they speak freely about illnesses that are happening or what's going on. And it's something that I would wish and want more of within the black community mm. to kind of push further and to support one another, which is something that I explore in the third section of, of mannerism. So for mm. me, Anifia kind of encompasses all of these different elements. And I just wanted a word that that was on my terms. Mm. something that someone else didn't give me, something that I wanted to own for myself. Because I feel like when it pertains to certain forms of whiteness, it's almost as if they would want, they they did to speak of me, instruct me as if they own me. Mm. And, and you know, stick to dancing, for example, or do this, don't, don't, you know, they want a specific type of performance from me. I'm mm. British up until the point that I'm not British. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. And what that tells me is that we just want you to do what you're good at. Mm. Don't need what you, to you think you're good what at. You think you're good at, rather than just talking about this thing that will make us feel super uncomfortable. Do you see what I mean? So I think for me, Anifia kind of encompasses all of those things to make me kind of like stand strong and firm in my belief and my opinions. And I say this to say my role is not a spokesperson in this. All I am is just trying to explore these nuances through my art and through the work I do, which is writing. I'm not trying to be on no big news ch channel to, to explain this to anybody. Even through this whole run of talking about this book, I feel like I just want to be quiet afterwards and just kind of like let the work do what the work needs to do. Do you see what I mean? I hear but, that from artists a lot. You know, <laughs> like I put everything into the work, like just read the work or go see the work and like stop asking me questions about it. Um, might have one or two more if you're if no, you're, it's all good. Uh, allow it's me. All good. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, it's interesting on that on that Karen one. I I thought about those situations where the you know white people had called the police on black people for like having a barbecue, bird watching, walking in a park. Um, and I I really interrogated this idea of like fearfulness. You know, where you know is it fear? Because obviously. So fear can be irrational, right? It can fear can be completely irrational. Fear can be you've you've been pumped your whole life with negative stereotypes. And so just seeing someone, you know, it's like it's like they no longer are a person, they are a, a walking representation of like the negative uh, views that you've imbibed your whole life. And so you're not seeing the man, you're just seeing a walking symbol. Um, which could be a symbol of fear and 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 I like consider that for sure but I, I do part of me feels like it's more often like a power play it's yeah, 100%. A, yeah I feel like it's a like let me show you who's boss yeah. let me show you who runs this like yeah. let me show you that in this situation I can get like the institutions of this society to back me yeah. even if I'm wrong 
and and that to me like part of the reason that when because people frequently say to me but do we need to talk about whiteness and I'm like that that right there is peak whiteness but Mm. that situation operates in so many ways in our societies right Mm. it operates as like um, those power plays that that those individuals undertake uh, I think a lot of us a lot of white people do those things day to day in minor or major ways um you don't have to be calling the police you could be uh you know uh telling someone what their place is you know stick to dancing that's yeah. also power play that's also me 100 percent, right um so yeah i mean i i just think it's interesting that so often there's a, a resistance to wanting to talk about whiteness and a lot of people still say to me you know well, do we really need to talk about it? And I'm like, it's it seems so obvious that it continues to operate in a very harmful way that I don't know how we avoid that conversation. I, I think a part of me is almost like there's the cause for some form of like a rebel nature that I have now. So there's a poem in the book that's titled The Green Tweed Coat. And it's the idea that there is a coat on the floor and this coat is on the floor you're in your work setting you've got your colleagues everyone's by their kind of laptops or whatever it is and there is a coat on the floor everyone notices this coat on the floor but no one says anything Mm. because there's an expectation that the person that always tends to talk about stuff the black person that's or the black people that's in the room to always talk about it oh they will raise the fact that there is something that you know is someone going to pick the coat up or there's an expectation that they are going to do it and mm-hmm. in the poem without giving spoilers in the poem the the eye of the poem is refusing to pick up this coat but in 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 the eye now spotting that hold on person one has walked past the coat person two has noticed the coat but hasn't done anything or walked past person three blatantly stepped on the coat everybody in the office is now noticing yo what's going on and i think that there it speaks to so much because it's almost like there is an expectation that oh you you're going to talk about it if it pertains to race or something like that yeah we don't need to talk about it because we can just go to this person here and they're going to talk about it because it's not something that we really want to talk on much and we don't know about much and da, 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 da. And like I said earlier, the justification for me doesn't work anymore. I'm just going to keep quiet. If it's going to be the most awkward room with no one talking, I'm absolutely down. Because it gets to a point where EDI is like the main thing. Post-George Floyd, everyone's talking about um, uh, equity, diversity, inclusion. Yeah. Um, Everyone's talking equality to a certain degree. Diversity is the big thing that's been mentioned. In these institutions, there's been like pledges. There's been like a whole like pledge from different companies and organizations to be more, to do better, to be more diverse. But when these meetings happen, when these conversations happen, and they're asking about, all right, what does diversity entail in a team of like predominantly white people? And you got maybe two, three black people in there. You got two pre two, three people of colour in there. Um, no one's talking. And there's a full expectation for the non-white people, non-white colleagues in a space to talk. Where really and truly what's been asked of is, no, the non-white people are the last people that you expect to be talking. And we, as in the collective of white managers, 
colleagues, let's talk about this situation, mm. which is the biggest thing to do because no one knows how to be sensitive enough to say the... To, no, no, let me take that back. It's almost as if, as much as they would want to talk about it, they don't know how to without feeling that they're going to come across as racist or insensitive, which then shows that you've never spoken about it, which then shows the flaw in everything because you've never had you've never been put in a position to talk about whiteness and racism and bias and institutional racism and 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 microaggressions and anything else like that because you've always left it to non-white colleagues and non-white people to speak about these issues and interestingly i feel like in those contexts it's um often what we're asking of non-white colleagues is absolution tell us how to absolve ourselves of the sin of, of racism as if it was like firstly something in the past but secondly like that it was something that somebody else is just going to relieve you from again putting the burden on the same and, I mean, yeah there's and, a lot and, with and, the, yeah. and what i'm saying as to that question that you ask and what i'm saying right now is as non-white colleagues and people in these workspaces is to say nope i'm not doing that work for you you tell me about that. What are your thoughts about that? And let's see how far we get. And watch the silence. The silence. <laughs> 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 On the room. Um, thank you so, so much. We, we, um, I'm conscious of taking up a lot of your time, but I do right. want to go to our quick fire round, if that's all oh, right. Oh, wow. Got a quick fire round. Oh, my we God. got a I'm quick nervous. fire round. This I'm is nervous. the most fun part of the show. <laughs> um, or so I think. Um, the quick fire round is quick fire questions with quick fire answers if you can. Oh, I can't. I'm bad at these, but let's go oh, for it. Well, do yes, I'm sure you'll be amazing. Um, first one is obviously kicking off with a really easy one. What's your definition of whiteness? Oh my god. Um, uh, 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 I want to say obliviousness. Um, I want to say yeah, just to be yeah, acting oblivious like we don't know what's going on. What is the root of racism? Um, I want to say ignorance for now. Um, ignorance. Um, um, oh my god! I wanted to say something, but it's like super bad. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go there. Do we leave that space wide open for you? Um. 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 Ignorance and and absolute anxiety, like there's a fear of being inferior, less than. Mm. It's like a higher power of like white is the supreme power, like white deep white supremacy to be like this is the absolute power, and the absolute the thoughts of being less than that is is yeah, yeah it's 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 yeah yeah it's just like a it shits them a whole lot of them I feel. Can black capitalism be a solution to racial inequality? Mm, I don't know. I still feel like, not, you know, there's a saying that, like, not all skin folk is kin folk. Um, so, you could, whereas you might feel like there's a community of black people that might be singing off the same hymn sheet. No, because certain black people still capitalize off of the, the chaos of racism and everything now like i think not to get too in the shits but there was like you know when the reshuffle happened of the new mp 
and uh, um, oh, sorry, the new prime minister, you know, people are like, oh, it's a board of like hardly any white people. The most diverse cabinet. The most diverse, in yeah, the most diverse, the most diverse kind of like cabinet in history. And everyone, and we we're just like, no, because there were certain black people even within that cabinet that we're just like, you're not necessarily here for the cause. Windrush is still like, so, I mean, this is still a big thing that we're talking about. Grenfell was still something that we're talking about. And the people that are in this in these positions, even though they're not white, it doesn't necessarily mean that their agenda is the same as our agenda, my agenda. So to your point, I I don't know because there's, there's still people that are in this for their own interests, I would think. Is whiteness a useful conceptual tool in conversations on anti-racism? For white people, I think if they can talk about that amongst themselves all they want, don't bring that conversation near me. I feel like I will just shove it right back <laughs> in, in the in a kindest, most kind of light way ever. I feel like if white if 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 white people feel like it, it's it's something that they want to explore, I think there should be a scope and there should be room where they they speak on it. But there shouldn't be an expectation for non-white people to now lay everything out for them to explain what they should be doing better. I think what it's calling for is them to take their time and do their own due diligence to research and look at things in the same way that there's been an absolute expectation for people like me and other people to do our own research. We've done it. I've had to, I've learned how to pronounce the most complex of names. I'm still having to do it. So why is it that white colleagues, white people in the arts, so X, Y, and Z, they can't do the same to just learn how to pronounce a name properly? But I've had my common sense to do that anyway. Do you see what I mean? So yes, to your question, I feel like, should it be that I think it's something that needs to take upon, upon themselves without the expectation of non-white people to explain that for them? Finally, if people want to purchase your new book, Mannerism, is there uh, uh, where you would you like to? to... <laughs> look how smooth it looks. Awesome. <laughs> um, where would you like to direct them to purchase the book? Is there a, is there a bookseller of choice? That Yo, you... Listen, I yeah. feel like I would, I would always shout for the indie booksellers. I would always be like, support your independent booksellers. I think them things are awesome. Um, I know that some are more versed to go to specific bookshops or online bookstores to buy it i will always say please go to the penguin website and there you see like a list of um different bookstores or online bookstores of your choice and you can decide on that one and my 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 purpose in all of this is to ensure that there are a wide range of of places that people can go i wouldn't want to kind of lean them towards one that might be a bit more capitalist than the other i think like there's a broad spectrum of of different places that i would like for them to be able to purchase the book that makes them comfortable do you know what i mean fair enough thank you so much and is um is there a website that people can turn to for your work yes so it's yomishode.com um please bear with me i'm updating the events pages or readings as i speak once once i'll once it's time to rock and roll with a podcast as well the links will all be up and everything and people can tune in so it's all good but yes yomishode.com and I'm on Instagram as well. I'm Googleable, basically. I am. I am Googleable. So Googleable. all the infos is 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 all on there. So Amazing. yeah.
Yomi Shade, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, thank you to all of our listeners as well for tuning in to this episode of We Need to Talk About Whiteness. Please do subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud and join us next time for more conversations on whiteness. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's us done.